Close your eyes for a moment. Picture you're standing on the edge of a narrow road. A row of shops hugs the edge of the concrete, people's slippers clapping along the stairs to the storefront. A single file of cars stands in a frantic line on the street, drivers impatiently honking. Scooters and motorcycles crawl through the gaps in the traffic. Their seats hold in three, sometimes four people. It's dusty, it's hot, and it's humid. You're sweating buckets before you even walk a quarter mile. This is India. Welcome to the world's largest democracy and the second most populous country on planet Earth. Nearly 1.4 billion people, 29 different states, and 22 recognized languages throughout the country, with dozens more dialects. The biggest cities in this nation, Hyderabad in the Central West, Mumbai in the Northwest, and Chennai in the Southeast, host between 50,000 and 60,000 people per square mile. That's double the number of people per square mile in New York, and nearly 10 times that of Los Angeles. You get the point. India is big, India is noisy, and India is crowded. But India is also under siege. With a GDP of nearly $10.51 trillion, India is a market no company wants to say no to. In fact, it's one they cannot afford to. Multinational corporations have long tried to tap into this nation's populace and sell their products here. Pharmaceutical companies have flocked to here as well despite internationally branded drugs sometimes costing nearly eight times what generic brands in India cost. This wouldn't usually be a problem, except that these companies are trying to stamp out these generics and ensure their products are the only one of their kind on the market. That's normal in the United States, where branded drugs are the norm. But in the developing country that is India, those medicines are just too expensive for the general population. Instead, those Indians resort to generics. This might all sound a bit far off, like hearing stories of people starving in Ghana or sweatshops abusing children in Bangladesh. There's just one difference, though. UCLA, the university we call home, has a hand in India. We are the sons of Westwood, and we... Over the last three years, UCLA has been waging a battle in India's courts. It's been trying to patent a life-saving prostate cancer drug on behalf of Pfizer Incorporated and Estellas, two multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical companies. Activists from across the globe have rallied against the university's actions. Groups like Doctors Without Borders and the Union for Affordable Cancer Treatment have written letters and demonstrated to get UCLA to drop its lawsuit on behalf of these two companies. This is the first time in modern history that a U.S. public research university has flocked to support two very wealthy corporations and sue an overseas government. The campaign has proceeded in the dark, with little media attention and measured transparency. Myself and my colleagues, Teddy Rosenbluth and Liz Ketchum, visited New Delhi as part of a Daily Bruin travel project. This is the capital city where the lawsuit is raging on. We wanted to find out what Indians really thought about UCLA's efforts, and what effect the patent battle would have on their lives. What we found, though, was a story of money, medicine, and misalignment. Misalignment of values, misalignment of ethics, and misalignment of mission. In other words, mistakes. This is a story of those mistakes. This is Pillbox.
Welcome again to Pillbox. Before we start, a bit about myself. My name is Keshav Tharimeti, and I'm a senior staffer for the Daily Bruins opinion section. I was formerly the opinion editor for the paper before I graduated in June of last year. I now live up in Seattle, Washington, trying to defrost my mostly frozen rear end. I was part of a three-person team that visited India last August to uncover the mysteries of UCLA's lawsuit. Over the next three weeks, I'll be breaking down the intricacies of this complex overseas medical and legal battle in this mini-podcast series called Pillbox. We'll talk about everything from who the people affected by this patent battle are, to why India is prized territory for UCLA, and finally, about what precedent this case is setting in the research community. This story is somewhat personal for me. My family comes from central India, specifically a metropolis called Hyderabad. I've been to Hyderabad more times than I can count, spending time with grandparents, uncles, aunts, and cousins. Healthcare in India, though, is where this gets touchy. My grandfather passed away seven years ago in a hospital just a five-minute walk from his home. He died from a respiratory infection. This past summer, a day after I came to Hyderabad from reporting in New Delhi, my grandmother was admitted to the same hospital for the same reason. After 10 days in the intensive care unit, she was discharged because doctors worried she would contract a mosquito-borne illness called dengue fever, which many patients were coming in with. Three days after she came home, she passed away in my arms. She was well gone before I began administering CPR. I say all this not for sympathy. Rather, it's to show that healthcare in India is much different than it is here in the United States. Doctors juggle dozens of patients, and they often talk about survival rates with family members. The doctors in the ICU and ER told me nearly five times in those 13 days that my grandmother would die. Prostate cancer is just another statistic in India's daily healthcare crisis. It's another multisyllable disease that people contract, struggle to pay for, and eventually succumb to. It's an insidious disease with growing prevalence among Indian men. More than 25,000 new cases popped up in 2018, with more than 17,000 people dying and nearly 48,000 having lived with the disease for more than five years. Insurance coverage is minimal, so patients' families have to sink their savings to pay for medicines and treatment. Many just opt out of it and seek out alternative medicines, or just resign to their fate. But before we get to what's going on now, I want to take us back 17 years to 2003. Yep, take it all in. The raging California wildfires, President George W. Bush, the Human Genome Project, and, most importantly, the Matrix Revolutions. Can you feel it, Mr. Anderson? Closing in on you? Can you feel it, Mr. Anderson? Closing in on you? Oh, I can. Back then, two UCLA researchers set out to find a cure for prostate cancer. Two years later, in 2005, the university partnered on their behalf with a company called Medivation to mass-produce a medicine called Extandi. Extandi, which contains the compound enzalutamide, is a pill taken multiple times a day to treat castration-resistant prostate cancer, a late-stage form of the disease with very few treatments. Extandi is what you would call a miracle drug. In fact, the Food and Drug Administration thought so too and cut short its clinical trials. That's because Extandi allows patients to resume a number of their daily activities, like walking in the park or going to the gym, while undergoing treatment. It's not debilitating like chemotherapy, and it's not as risky as surgery. You can see why it was a big success. My doctor and I are very pleased with our results that I'm receiving from Extandi. 
Not having to take it with a meal is really nice because I don't have to think about, you know, oh, I've got to take this with dinner, and oh, now dinner's at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock, you know, or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Medivation, the company that initially formed the partnership with UCLA, was eventually bought over by Pfizer Incorporated, which then partnered with Estella's Pharma Incorporated, another massive pharmaceutical company. UCLA sold its royalty interest in the drug for $1.14 billion, which it said it invested in its research endeavors. This all sounds fine, but you're probably asking yourself how we get from Westwood to New Delhi. It's all because of one word, money. As with any global business, Pfizer and Estellas wanted to expand the scale of Extandi. The drug is slated to be one of the top five cancer drugs by 2022, and the companies would understandably want to keep it that way. UCLA, the owner of the enzalutamide patent, filed for another patent, this time in the Indian Patent Office. In 2016, however, the patent was rejected on the grounds that it was not inventive, given there were already generic versions of Extandi in the Indian market. We'll talk about the specifics of the decision in next week's podcast, but all you need to know for now is that the Indian Patent Office rejected the enzalutamide patent on a technicality. Normally, Pfizer and Estellas would have duked it out in the courts with the Indian government. Instead, they used their trump card, the number two public research university in the United States. The trio partnered and lawyered up, and, before we knew it, the University of California General Counsel which is funded by California taxpayer dollars, was suing the world's largest democracy on behalf of two multi-billion dollar corporations, all to patent and sell a single drug. The appeals lawsuit is titled, quote, Regents of the University of California vs. Union of India and others. There's more to this lawsuit than the number two public university claiming bragging rights to suing a nation of 1.4 billion people. Real people stand to experience real hurt from this lawsuit if it tips in the favor of the UC. Our team met with one of those families while in New Delhi. Okay, um, I just wanted to introduce my other colleague is here. Um, her name is Teddy Rosenbluth. She's um, with me helping uh, uncovering this, so I'll just introduce you to her real quick. Hi, nice to okay. meet you. Hi. Can you tell me about when your father was first diagnosed with prostate cancer? Um, it'll be some years now. It'll be almost like, I think, uh, uh-huh. more than five years now. Okay. Meet Rupambora a father of two, and son of Sharath Kumar, a retired banker. Sharath Kumar Bora was diagnosed with prostate cancer more than five years ago, and his treatment is largely financed by Rupam and his family. The doctor said that um, he has uh, prostate cancer buildup, and his PSA count is uh, on the rise. Mm-hmm. So how did you feel when you first heard about that diagnosis? Obviously, terrible. Yeah. Because he was old, because he was already, he's, he's, he's 82 now, so he was uh, around, uh, I think, consider around 75, 78, 76, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. So he was then, and obviously, you know, one feels miserable about it. The Bora family is relatively well off compared to the vast majority of Indians. Rubram runs his own advertising firm, and his two children are college-bound and interested in the arts. Treating Shadat Kumar Bora hasn't been easy, though, even with a generic version of enzalutamide, something that's markedly cheaper than Extandi. Uh, spend a lot of money, okay, uh, in all the tests and processes and all that, okay. Uh, 
which was quite a burden uh, for him. Though I paid a hell of a lot, so but it was a burden for me as well mm-hmm. because I have a family and uh, uh, two children. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, but nevertheless, I mean it's important, so we pushed it and uh, we got that. But the re- after the radiation, gradually, you know, it, it was uh, you know silent for a while, but it grew again, mm-hmm. and there is operation is not possible at this kind of a situation or this age and, and things like that. Okay, so he said, okay, let's do some oral uh, uh, medication. Uh, so the, the oral medication was given, initially something else, and then gradually we went to the brand Bidenza uh, and Zelatomide. So that was extremely expensive uh, uh, for him. And uh, interestingly in our country, uh, these sort of medicines are all haphazard uh, because they come in from different uh, sources. Mm-hmm. Sometimes cheaper, sometimes expensive, sometimes 10,000 rupees more, sometimes 4,000 rupees more. Sometimes they will tell you, okay, I'll give you a discount. So the price has never been a fixed price. What Rupam is talking about is the variability of generic medicine prices. Enzalutamide generic brands range somewhere between 30,000 to 40,000 rupees in New Delhi and ostensibly across India. That roughly translates to a range of $420 to $560. Enzalutamide is often sold in 28-day packets, so patients like Sharath Kumar would have to pay between $420 and $560, depending on which generic brand they use and when they buy it, per month. Basically, about half the cost of rent in Westwood, provided you're cramming yourself into one of those apartments on Kelton. Before we get used to that math, though, there's one thing that throws a big wrench into all these calculations. The average income of an Indian in 2019 is about 10,534 rupees per month the equivalent of about $149. Paying for just the generic version of enzalutamide isn't just half of rent for that shack on Kelton, it's five months worth of earnings. And as we found out earlier, insurance coverage in India is dismal at best. So uh, my dad would buy sometimes 60,000 rupees, sometimes at 57,000 rupees, sometimes at 42,000 rupees. So you can imagine the gap. And we gradually over time, my dad being a patient, uh, we realized that uh, uh, the big pharma is a big issue and uh, it's, it's, it's corrupt and it's, uh, uh, it doesn't go through the right channels and we are here as just big means to suffer and uh, there is no option for us to uh, do anything about it. And uh, so that way, so this is the psychology became of that. So we are not negative people. Uh, or negative thinking people, but we felt that way uh, because it came in in different uh, costs and different sources and availability and delays and everything put together. I want to dwell on Rupam's last point, that feeling that he's being subjected to a healthcare system he has no say in and little, if any, ability to change. That's an emotion we came across a lot in India. Be it oncologists, pharmacists, patients, or even activists, the words were almost always the same. That's just the system. Generic medicine manufacturers, the predominant drug manufacturers in India, charge as they please, even for the same product. And patients can either put up or shut up about the financial pain they're feeling because there are a billion other people waiting in line, or at least enough to make the business viable. That truth is perhaps best shown through another prostate cancer drug called abiraterone acetate, which is chemically very similar to enzalutamide. In fact, Rupam's dad, Sharath Kumar, eventually switched to this drug after his condition deteriorated 
and enzalutamide stopped keeping his cancer at bay. With great difficulty, he flew back to Delhi, and I went back to our doctor uh, and checked with the doctor by saying that what should we do? So I said, okay, let's stop enzalutamide right now. And uh, she recommended that you uh, buy something called I think Zytiga. Mm-hmm. But uh, Zytiga landed up becoming extremely expensive. It is more expensive even as Bidenza. It is like 1.5. So again, again, the market is very wide, and you know, uh, uh, cancer uh, patients or patients of this sort are great fodder for this business. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, somebody said I can give it to you at a lakh. Somebody said 1.5. Somebody said 80. We're pretty confused. And how is it possible? You know. Uh, I hope we're getting the good product. I hope it's not a duplicate product. Just to bring you up to speed, when Rupam says 1.5, he means 1.5 lakhs, or 150,000. Indians liberally use the term lakh to represent things in units of 100,000. Like with enzalutamide, the compound abiraterone acetate also has a great degree of variable pricing among its generic brands. One brand, called Zeljor, costs at least 18,000 rupees, or at least $250 per packet. Another brand called Abirapro costs at least 25,000 rupees, or somewhere near around $360. The brand Zytiga, which Rupam brings up, is a branded version of abiraterone acetate sold by Johnson Johnson, you know, the maker of baby powder and Tylenol. Johnson & Johnson sells Zytiga but does not have a patent on abiraterone acetate after a 2018 U.S. District Court ruling. And just to compare the price differences, Zytiga, the branded version, costs a whopping 150,000 rupees, or about $2,140 per packet. That's at least five times more than the two generics I mentioned, for the exact same product. And unless you're a biochemist, the overwhelming degree of choice leaves you with an impending fear that you're being counterfeited. Uh, eventually, we bought Arbitron because it's uh, uh, affordable. Mm-hmm. And along with that, uh, the doctor has recommended uh, another injection, which is per month. That's where we are at this stage. Mm-hmm. So now uh, we're supposed to come back after two weeks and uh, see the state of things. Even if you manage to convince yourself that generics aren't snake oils, which they aren't, the cost can still rack up with conventional cancer medicines. It can take months, sometimes even a year, for drugs like enzalutamide to have stable effects on your body. But people's savings, let alone their financial futures, aren't set in stone. Rupam had to give up a lot for his father to be able to even try enzalutamide for some time. The major thing that I have uh, sacrificed is, you know, uh, we stopped spending going outside, uh, eating out or holidaying and things like that. Uh, uh, which is a pity because we are creative people, we need that, you know, element of recreation and uh, leisure a little bit. but. Secondly, I'm like majorly disturbed because my one of my daughter is in Waterloo in um, Canada, mm-hmm. studying uh, studying there, and uh, my other daughter is in class twelve, and she needs to go as well. But keeping all these things in mind, I'm I'm feeling uh, pretty hassled and disturbed. It's the how should I manage it? What should I do? How will I do this? And at the same time, I don't want, want my dad to suffer, neither do I want my daughter to suffer. So uh, these days I'm counseling her and she's been crying and, you know, uh, things like that. So it's a bit of a situation of what can emerge out of even expensive medicines these days. Yeah. 
We'll be right back. If you like what you're hearing, head over to newsstands to pick up a copy of Daily Bruins Prime Magazine, which features a whole host of other intriguing stories about the university and the community around us. You can also head over to prime.dailybruin.com to read these stories online and find the full investigative suite about UCLA's overseas patent battle. I want to recap where we left off. We met Rupam Bora, a relatively well-off head of an advertising firm who's largely fronting the costs for his father's prostate cancer treatment. His father, Sharat Kumar Bora, tried enzalutamide for some time before switching to abiraterone acetate, a more affordable medication. That period, though, required Rupam and his family to make numerous sacrifices, and it's still really straining their mental health. This is a state of affairs with just the generic version of enzalutamide, mind you. And it's a financial reality Indian doctors are incredibly cognizant of when tending to their many patients. In fact, it's a hallmark of public health facilities, such as the All India Institute of Medical Sciences in New Delhi, the nation's premier government-run health facility. The institute, otherwise known as AIMS, serves members of the populace for little to no cost, offering surgeries, chemotherapy, medicines, and consultations so even the most socio-economically disadvantaged Indians can receive treatment. The catch, of course, is getting your foot through the door. Every day, hundreds of Indians sit on the ground in a waiting area in front of the Ames facility, hoping they'll be called from their place in line. Children sleep in their parents' laps or on the dusty ground in the blistering heat. People with and without shoes stare emptily as hordes of people walk through the facility's front gates. Those who've made it through wait in lines in the overwhelming heat to get medicines from the pharmacy. It's in this crowded, busy, and overwhelmed hospital that we find perhaps the best example of what doctors in India face when prescribing expensive medicines like enzalutamide to patients. So, we are a government institution. And the patients that we see typically are of the lower or the lower middle income strata. Meet Rajiv Kumar, the Associate Dean of AIMS and a urologist. A significant majority of them carry no insurance and for again a significant number treatment of chronic illnesses or malignancies often means transition from survival to transition into what we call a poverty below the poverty line or extreme poverty so illnesses such as malignancies or conditions which require long-term treatment will often end up pushing people into an extreme state of poverty. We do offer them both abiraterone and enzalutamide. Hardly anyone can afford the drug the way we would want them to take it. So that's the status of management and a number of them will not agree to take the drug because they can't afford it. Some will agree to take it for some time, then realize it's too expensive, they can't carry on with it, then they'll stop using it. Prostitaxel is extremely cheap compared to both uh, abiraterone and enzalutamide. So chemotherapy is something that they're willing to accept. From my knowledge of the US health systems, if the physician prescribes it, almost everyone would get it because the copay is what would vary, but a large amount of it would be covered by the insurance. Here it's entirely different. So there are a number of patients who can afford the drug and will take the drug versus the spectrum that I see 
where often i would actually not even offer it because i know if i offer it to him he'll take it and that will end up destroying his family for the next one generation so i would probably not even offer it to him or i would just tell him that it's available but i would not suggest you take it because i know that if i say it he'll buy it and then that means that the next one generation is in debt for the next 10 years so just to make the obvious very clear if the patent were approved for ensolutamide and one box it was 3 lakhs or something like that almost none of your patients would be able to afford the drug absolutely next to none there would still be some so again my patients like i said will span a spectrum the majority will of course not get it as simple as that uh but they are but i but we do give opinion to patients who can afford it they may not be the people who i'm treating directly but they are patients who come for a second opinion and i would actually not even advise it i mean i accept that as a part of my job my job is not only to tell you that you have these three options my job is also to tell you that if i were in your place and i had your financial resources what would i do would i recommend you to take this even if it gives you an extra 2 years of life those are not decisions a physician is should be taking nowhere in the world would a physician decide for you where how much your 2 years of life is worth but here it's a part of your job to weigh in the financial implications of what you're recommending apart from the medical implications in other words what dr kumar is saying is that enzalutamide is already an expensive drug and that if it's patented he'll start prescribing it altogether that's because if ucla is successful in its lawsuit and obtains the indian patent for enzalutamide all the generic versions of the medicine would become illegal making extandy the only of its kind on the market like with abiraterone acetate the american brand of enzalutamide extandy is many times more expensive than the generic sold in india here in the us each extandy pill costs more than $100 by some estimates depending on insurance coverage patients can have copayments ranging from $3300 to the full price of more than $12000 a month Even with Medicare, the typical extandy patient can end up spending upward of $12,000 a year on the drug, almost a fifth of the median US household income. The extandy packets sold in India are earmarked with those same prices, or roughly 8 times what the most expensive versions of enzalutamide cost there. That's despite the fact that Indians earn almost 25 times less per year than do Americans, meaning extandy costs more than 30 times the average indian salary we asked rupam the same question what would patenting enzalutamide do for patients like him and also for those less fortunate than him and i just imagine that if i can somehow when i'm killing myself to get the medicine and his travel and everything and compromising and all that i wonder what will happen to people who have much lesser money and they cannot afford it they just have to die Yeah. I mean, that's the saddest part of this whole whole system. So to yeah? explain to explain basically our own reporting right now, um, uh, two pharmaceutical companies that have patented this enzalutamide compound in the United States filed a patent in India to patent that same drug um, with the brand name Extandy. Um, that's currently an international drug that is sold for about three lakh forty thousand per month. So the costs add up quite a bit. And and if the patent application went through then all the generics including like bedenza and whatnot would not be um sold. Um so I guess right. if if that were to happen how do you think that would affect your own or your father your father's treatment? If it if it if it uh, if it increases if the money if the, if the if the cost of the medicines increase then 
we will have to live by what is affordable and we will have to live by the reality that uh, he will he will have to pass away sooner uh, and we have to accept that reality um, and that's how we'll have to live with it that's it mm-hmm. what else could you do so you're saying you can't afford any more increases in the cost of the medication no not at all mm-hmm. not at all at this point of time not at all UCLA's overseas lawsuit stands to rip out enzalutamide almost completely from Indians' grasp because of how expensive it will become. And as we'll talk about next week, the lawsuit could even end in enzalutamide not even making it to pharmacy countertops, even in its branded form. There is an inherent irony in all this. As the Union for Affordable Cancer Treatment stressed in a 2017 letter to John Maziota, the CEO of UCLA Health, Enzalutamide was discovered in a lab funded by taxpayer dollars, made possible by grant money from the National Institutes of Health and the U.S. Army Prostate Cancer Research Program in a university founded by the state of California to advance the public's interest. That's a lot of public funding. Yet millions in India and the United States will be expected to fork over their life savings to share in this collective medical achievement. UCLA already sold its royalty interests, or what it would make in royalties off the drug sales. So really, the case Regents of the University of California versus Union of India and others is quite literally the UC spending California taxpayer dollars to sue a government on behalf of two companies that want to make a profit. Pfizer Nestels didn't contribute money to the research behind enzalutamide. The public did. And as shown by generic companies in India, enzalutamide can be made for cheaper but Pfizer and Estellas insist on charging prices well out of the range of average Indians, even out of well-off ones. I want to end on this last note, and it's one that really sums up the theme of this series and the episodes coming ahead. In 2003, two UCLA researchers set out to challenge the insurmountable disease that is prostate cancer, and they succeeded in creating a life-changing, life-saving drug called enzalutamide. But almost two decades down the line, Their university is fighting to keep that drug out of the hands of millions. Maybe the prices of Xtandi will reduce down the road. For now, though, prostate cancer looms large. And if UCLA succeeds in its lawsuit, millions of Indians will be swallowed up by it. Pillbox is produced by me, Keshav Tharimethi. The reporting for the series was done by me, Teddy Rosenbluth, and Liz Ketchum. I also want to make a big shout out to Kritika Soni, a journalism student in New Delhi who works for the New York Times and was so, so, so gracious enough to help us with the reporting. We'll be back next week. Catch you then.